You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Hello, Tom and Joelle. Hello. Hello. What's happening? Oh, I don't know. It feels like we haven't done one of these in so long. <laughs> yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> having deja vu. Yeah. And if we weren't really, I mean, if we really wanted to try to pretend that we knew what we were doing, we'd be going, how was Christmas? And yeah. all of that stuff. Christmas but... was fantastic. Hanukkah. <laughs> yeah. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. That's yesterday. right. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Uh, chemo will, would, would be done if we yes. were acting like this. This oh, was yeah. live and yeah. all that good stuff. But the reality is, is we're recording two weeks early. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so Got to get everyone in before the holidays. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and Susan's gotten a little bit busy now with having to move yeah, no and doubt. all of that good stuff. And I forgot on the last podcast, talk about we were at Casa Grande oh, here yeah. in Arizona teaching also. We had, um, gosh, that was more than a day ago. So we had one training both were spouses no, no both were supervisor trainings no no one was supposed to be spouses the first day that's right that's right we only had a couple that were actually worked in law enforcement right and then day two was the supervisor training which you were sick i was tom couldn't be there uh but it was a good class we had a lot of fun a lot of people buying in to the training that we're just kind of like, yeah, that woman is how they would refer to me. And now that, it's that crazy woman yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That might know what she's talking about. How about that? Uh, so um, anyway, we've got a great guest today. I had the honor of I'm going to call him a friend because I feel like we are friends. We've communicated with email, talked on the phone. Um, he kind of called and was uh I don't, I've forgotten exactly how you found us, but this is Lieutenant Alan Eddins from the great state of Texas. Um, you know, they're kind of the door, the gateway to the South coming out of the West. Yeah, that, you know, that's, they, they that's pretty good. carry that accurate, torch for yeah. us. And they do talk a little different than we do. The accents aren't good quite. Good old Texas. <laughs> I lived in Texas for a little bit. Yes, you did. Two years. I, I did too. I, basic training. <laughs> Ooh, I, I lived in Texas once when I drove I-20 all the way across it for like... Yeah, it felt like you lived there forever. For like five years. <laughs> and I said, when I moved out here, I, I, I just can't do that again. So we did the long way 40 all the way around and just hit the panhandle part. And cut. I got I to gotta change scenery. I got to go, okay, I've cleared Alabama. I've cleared Arkansas, <laughs> Oklahoma. But welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, and we're just glad that he's a virgin today. This is his first <laughs> podcast. I bet you haven't been it called is. a virgin in a lot of years, have you? It's It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, hey, come to my world. We can label you all kind of it's stuff. It's a term of endearment. <laughs> it is. It's just saying he's never been on a podcast right. before. And, you know, we, we're just crazy on here, so there is no right and wrong. So take a breath. But uh, seeing your Christmas tree there in the background. Oh, yes. That's one of, I think, seven that my wife has in wow. house. 
She's a Southerner. Does yes. she make you decorate those? Uh, I get the pleasure of putting them up. <laughs> yeah. I'm responsible for putting the trees up and the outside. Yeah, I have that same pleasure. Hmm. <laughs> well, don't forget getting them out of the attic. Uh, oh, yeah, I have that same problem, too. Yeah. Oh, see, no, y'all. Pleasure. It is. So, y'all In should. In January, we get to reverse the process. Yeah. All back. Well, see, yep. y'all should all be like me and leave home for a week and come back and let phoenix put your christmas tree up with all your glitter and stuff see that was my plan i was like i'm not even going to be here for christmas Uh because of my trip right and uh diana wasn't having it we got we got our tree up anyway well of course you do absolutely well i put my own tree up because they were going to put a flocks tree this year I'm still trying to get glitter out of the oriental rug from last year. Oh, so, yeah, no. Mm-mm. So the tree's just going to, it didn't get, it's not decorated. It has lights on it. We could flock it. Mac. <laughs> yeah, Mac might like that too much. Uh, yeah, no, we're not going to flock my German shepherd. So anyway, um, so Alan, tell us a little bit about you, your background, and refresh this chemo old brain of how you found out about Under the Shield. Okay. A um, little bit about me. I uh, grew up here in Texas. I was born down in um, uh, Texas City, so down on the coast, mm-hmm. uh, Galveston area. And then my family moved to the Corsicana area in 1970. So it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. And I grew up there, went to high school, uh, went off to college, came back, thought I was going to be in the ministry. And I did a stint in uh, in youth ministry for about 12 years, and then after a few uh, unsuccessful churches, <laughs> we, I think we all know how churches, church people, and church life goes, yep. uh, based on what I've heard from, from you guys in your podcast, uh, <laughs> that, that turned out to not be where I needed to uh, wind up. And so I went out with a buddy of mine who was in law enforcement, went out on a ride along and uh, fell in love with everything about being a police officer. So I wound up uh, putting myself through uh, police academy and got into law enforcement. And that was in 97 and I've been in law enforcement ever since. Well, and it's you're still in the ministry. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It's actually, you know, over the years I've discovered there's there's probably more ministry mm-hmm. uh, that has taken place as a police officer right. for me than than whatever I did as a youth pastor. So sure, sure. And so, are you still with a department? Are you retired, or how, how does that um, work in Texas? I currently serve in the role at. Uh, Navarro College as the police academy coordinator. Uh, so I'm I'm over the training uh, for new recruits as well as um, in-service training that we offer to current police officers in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, the new recruits can either be self-sponsored or they can be sent by an agency to our to our academy. Okay. And the so, same thing happens out here, right? Isn't that what that Glendale Community College? Right. Is a lot that of the community colleges have sorry. academies too. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, I thought it was our, our campus. Our campus police department holds my commission mm-hmm. there at the at the uh, campus. So I I do serve as a um, 
non-administrative role uh, in in that department, usually I'll go help with um, graduations and football games and th things like that if they need extra patrol officers to fill those functions. Okay. Uh, talk to us about how much trouble you're having in Texas recruiting, or are you having trouble like everybody we else? We are. Um, when I took over the program in August of 2016, we were running two full-time classes on two different campuses, uh, two part-time classes on two different campuses, uh, and then we added a opportunity for uh, firefighters, EMS, and medical um, personnel who were interested in becoming certified peace officers to uh, go through the police academy in Texas, arson investigators and fire marshals have to have a peace officer certification. Mm -hmm. So we opened up a shift based schedule where they wow. would come in on either mm -hmm. their, well, they, it would be one of their off shifts that they would come in to our, our shift based class. We would run it either on a shift, B shift or C shift. And those guys that had those days off that we were running the class could attend the academy. Okay. So and that was that how was long fun. was the academy back then? Well, um, so the full time classes were one semester, so about 16, 16 to 17 weeks. Mm -hmm. The part time classes would start in August and end in May. And then the shift class also started in August and ended in May. Um, the state in the last I think is in 2020, they expanded the required hours, which pushed us into using a mini semester in conjunction with the regular fall and regular spring semester. So we're just over uh, six months now. Okay. Yeah. Washington, they were talking about theirs was like five and a half mm -hmm. months and that sounded so long. And then I went back and I'm like, yeah, that's probably not that far off. Mm -hmm. Pretty standard. Uh huh. From here. Um, right. What about numbers in the classes from 16 to now? What are you seeing? We are now running one full time class and one part time class. Um, we just don't have the the numbers to support, you know, operating and funding two budgets for for both campuses. So sure, sure. And um, how many are you having right now in one class? I currently have 21 in in my full-time class mm -hmm. we started with 25 and we've we've lost four this semester what knocks most of them out is it the legal it's, it's usually the grades we have a pretty high standard at our academy for grades the state minimum is 70 mm -hmm. and our grading standard is set at 80 percent okay. they have to maintain 80 percent throughout the course of the academy to complete uh, is there a physical component to your academy? Texas does not have a requirement for physical uh, fitness. Really? In the academy. Okay. Uh, we have it at our academy, though. We, we you know, have several agencies that recruit from us, and they like the fact that we are doing physical fitness training right. uh, at least four days a week with our full-time classes and twice a week with our part-time class. Um, they they want they want officers that can perform the duties, and that's 
that's understandable. Right. We we what, want to produce officers that can perform duty. What what a concept! I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gosh, what a shocker! Here, here they pay firemen to work out on duty, right? You know, right. and it's like, but police, no, you don't have no you don't physical that. fitness. You don't need to sleep yeah. either. Firefighters get to sleep on duty uh, I too. Know. <laughs> Eat and sleep. Gosh, what a job! Guys sleeping with each other. I know. Duty. It's interesting. The sl- those slab savers, uh, I, they loved that up in Washington State, by the way. Um, but I assume there's a physical component to being hired. In, I guess at most agencies, yes, at most agencies there is. There are some, some of the smaller agencies do not have a physical physical component. Wow. Um, I, and like I said, it is not something that has been mandated by the state. I, I have heard in the past that, I, that it's probably going to happen, mm-hmm. but we've been hearing that for a number of years mm-hmm. and it's it's not come to pass yet. Yeah, that's a, that's the first time I remember hearing a state hasn't set right. at least a minimum standard of the mile, and, which I always thought kind of stupid because y'all ain't chasing nobody a mile. No, it ain't gonna happen. No. So I never, I never understood that part. <laughs> what was that, Alan? Not on foot. No, no, huh? No, uh-uh. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I just, I, a lot of the components I do understand, but the mile thing and it having been to be done in a mile and a half and a certain, I'm like, that's stupid. Um, and Texas has never had, I mean, that just surprises me because I know Alabama's always had it. Not for, um, or not as part of a requirement for hire for, for a lot of agencies. Now, mm-hmm. some of the larger agencies and even some of the, you know, the medium size or moderate size agencies do have or have set their own physical fitness standards mm-hmm. for hiring. Okay. So talk to us about now how did you find me and under the shield and what was what was going on that you even would look for what we do? Well, honestly, I can't remember how I stumbled onto you guys, but I I just happened to listen to a few podcasts and I think maybe um one of them that I listened to before had referenced y'all. Okay. And so I, I just started listening and he's hooked. And I really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really have enjoyed uh, hearing, you know, the conversations that you guys have and um, you know, this, this is how you and I got connected. Um, you y'all talk about stress coaching you know, very frequently. And so I got on your website and started looking for anything to do with trainings that y'all offer mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anything. Right. So I just sent a, uh, email to the general info email account, yep. was asked a few questions and the next day, or maybe later that day you had responded. And the next day we set up a phone call mm-hmm. and so, yep, that's right. You're you're bringing it all back to me now. Here, I was I was actually listening to the podcast when you <laughs> called me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd forgotten about that. You were driving home that afternoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, talk to us about uh, from an academy standpoint. What are the concerns, especially from the mental wellness side, that y'all are seeing in Texas? Well, you know. Um, I think all of us, regardless of where we're at, uh, mental wellness has become just a a topic that needs to be in the forefront of our minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have historically been in an industry that has uh, pushed mental wellness 
back to the back burner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we're seeing now in in law enforcement and really after COVID in life in general, that it is a it is a topic that needs to be addressed, you know, broad broad spectrum over and over. Uh, yeah, especially definitely at the beginning of somebody's career, mm-hmm. because that was never done before. Mm-mm. No, not at all. Not at all. And um, thinking back, I, I don't even remember um, any aspect of mental wellness being part of our training uh, back in the in the academy. You know, mm-hmm. we've had in Texas, we've had um, some trainings implemented over the last few years uh, arising out of the Sandra Bland Act and a couple of other incidents that have taken place. Um, Sandra Bland was a, uh, uh, a female who was arrested on a traffic stop. Um, not going to go into great detail about it, but ultimately she wound, wound up taking her own life in, in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, uh, trainings that have arisen out of that have been our de-escalation training. Every officer in the state of Texas is required to take eight hours of de-escalation training now in the Academy and prior to, um, prior to them in implementing it in our training for the academies, it was, a, an in-service training. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a 40 hour crisis intervention training that that stemmed out of that same time frame. Mm-hmm. So every officer in the state now has to have 40 hours of crisis intervention, whereas before, I think we got 16 hours in the academy and we had to do an eight-hour refresher. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was eight-hour refresher every two years up until you received your intermediate certification. Okay. Hmm. Um, when was that case that you were talking about? When did that happen? I want to say it was 2019. Okay. It was pre-COVID. Okay. All right. And y'all correct me if I'm wrong, like you wouldn't. Um, (laughs) Y'all jump on an opportunity to make me wrong. I just changed my mind. But de-escalation and verbal judo, are those not in the same vein? That's what I think. Well, you know, maybe, maybe I, I do recall verbal judo being part of what we uh, were were taught when I went through the academy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I if I remember correctly, the verbal judo that we got was not necessarily how to uh, deflect, or uh, maybe it was more deflection than mm-hmm. it was de-escalating a, a, a crisis scenario okay. yeah it was i never sat through it so i just it, always heard about verbal judo it, it so was wonderful. more like talking somebody into handcuffs rather than fighting them into handcuffs that was a lot right. of verbal judo stuff right apparently that didn't work out real well uh, you know, <laughs> i don't hear anything about it, it anymore it all, I'm asking. Yeah, it all depended on who you were dealing with you yeah know? yeah but i because I, I can even remember when it was big the guy that created or whatever was making something like a half a million dollars with every agency where he taught it Hmm. and then all of a sudden it was just kind of like it went away and you don't hear anything about it but i didn't know if we were just changing terminology i think the de-escalation training is a little more in depth and it's more 
for crisis type mental illness right. dealing with yeah. mental health issues right. stuff right. okay okay not just the gangbanger on right. the street who doesn't yeah. want to go to jail exactly okay yeah. all right all right well that makes a little more sense then um what are the uh issues are y'all seeing a lot of suicide in texas in law enforcement um we have um i don't i don't have current numbers as of today but um uh, I know Austin PD just had uh, an incident about three weeks ago mm-hmm. where they had an officer that they had an officer involved shooting. And then the next day, I believe they had an officer that uh, took their life. Mm-hmm. So. What have you heard? Because everywhere we teach, we don't seem to get any response. Anybody even knows about it. But, you know, last year, Biden signed some public safety health act are you familiar with it at all i'm not and it's so weird because nobody seems to be but supposedly and i hadn't had time to look at it but supposedly there's something in it that allows for uh law enforcement suicide to be deemed a line of duty death well i have heard um some discussion about about that and um i Personally, I'm in I'm in favor mm-hmm. of of that being being the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there's still several that are resistant to it, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, based on what we know about how this job affects our our lives, it can be directly tied to those decisions. Sure, and that's what we were talking about because I think in that Public Safety Health Act. In order for a suicide to be a line of duty death, the department has to be able to prove it was directly connected to the job. And the sheriff and I were talking about this up in Washington. I said, and if that's the case, rarely, if ever, will we see that happen because a department would have to admit to liability (laughs) uh, other than, let's say, a situation where multiple officers are out an officer gets killed in the line of duty and another officer feels that they could have done something to prevent it, I think a department might point to an incident like that and say, okay, that. But the cumulative of it, they'd have to admit to liability. It isn't going to happen. Right. But I have have a question about that. So if if you have to prove that it's directly related why do they? Why don't they have to prove that it's not? Not. Related? <laughs> I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Um, because again, that would almost be easier. You know, have they been diagnosed with something? Is there a family history of this? Right. You know, it, it would almost be easier to prove that it's not related. Right. Than it. Or are they about to be indicted? We had a, a sheriff in Alabama several years back that was being indicted for something i don't even know what but and he walked in went and got his coffee greeted the dispatchers went in his office and shot and killed himself again because he knew he was about to be indicted apparently was guilty and uh so he wasn't going to prison okay that's so rare that is such a that's to the right of the decimal and so i'm with you uh they should have to prove it's not yeah and I just think that we're, you know, all this concept of, you know, I've had I've had chiefs tell me in the past, no, we're not going to give them an honorable funeral because it would promote others to do it. 
Really? <laughs> That's like taking your gun home with Yes, you, right? exactly. And I said, so you just punish the family. Because guess what? The officer don't care. Uh, right. <laughs> it, it didn't matter to him. But now right. the family is yeah. the one who suffers, and that's a real issue. And I'm kind of disappointed and surprised that the four in L.A. County, just prior to the one there in Austin, mm-hmm. hasn't brought up more. But I did see, uh, actually, on the article that we were talking about in Police One, I mm-hmm. think it was in this one that there, I meant to go back and look, that there's another article that it talked about where widow of L.A. Sheriff's Department deputy who died by suicide files suit Mm -hmm. against county for excessive overtime. Mm. That might be kind of need to get my name to her because I might be her subject matter expert here. Uh, So if anybody listening happens to have a connection to L.A. (laughs) County Sheriff's Department, call me um, because I'd like to meet this widow because it's time for somebody to take that approach. Yep. And start suing departments. Yeah. Because it's the only way we're ever going to make change, yeah. I'm afraid. Especially that mandatory overtime stuff. Yes. And they were working 16, 18 hour days. Mm. And again, you and I know what the commute time is, at least for some we've dealt with over in that part <laughs> yeah. of the world. So 16, 18 hour days doesn't leave, but about five minutes for sleep, mm-hmm. if that. Right. And then they're sleeping in their cars at the precincts. But, um, so you shared with me that you're teaching a it, is it actually labeled a resiliency training? What are they calling it? No, it's <laughs> it's called finding wellness, building a healthier life. Okay, that's the of the, of the course that uh, our state regulatory agency rolled out. And this is recent. This is something new. This is something that just came out this year, and I, I think. If I, if, if I understand it correctly, every officer in the state, regardless of their certification level, has to take this class um, every every two years. And it's eight hours? Or it's six four hours. hours. Well, it's four hours up to 16 hours. But the requirement is they only have to get four hours Correct. of it? Okay. Correct. Hmm. I always and, find that and, interesting. You know, we'll we'll only do the minimum, right? right. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Check We're that box. That's right. Check, checking boxes. That's right. That's what did right. you have prior to this? Anything? Stress management? Um, anything? You know, you go back to the forty-hour uh, crisis intervention training. That was what we had for mental wellness uh, in the academy. We teach uh, fitness, wellness, and stress management. It's a sixteen-hour block in the academy that they get. Okay. Um, and probably the majority of that uh, first day is based, well, if you, if you do it over two days, obviously, the first day is focused on fitness and the, um, you know, the, the workouts and the nutrition values of all that. And then the second day is more on the stress management and the wellness aspect, uh, suicide prevention or intervention awareness mm-hmm. um you know the the critical incident stress post-traumatic stress um things things like that now, did the new curriculum replace that at the basic level no oh okay okay no, so not at all and, and the new curriculum has not been added uh to the basic level interesting mm-hmm. okay 
Um, you got Arizona beat because they give them six hours in yeah. the academy. Um, and it's funny because it's – I can't remember if they told me it's four on the like the first week or two of the academy and two on the back end or reverse. And I was like – well, that's stupid. <laughs> uh, they don't know. They don't know enough to know they don't know what they don't know. Right. right. <laughs> and, and so it's uh, it needs to really be way toward the end, and hopefully we're making those changes there. So, have you actually taught this yet? Uh, yes, I taught it with a friend of mine who um, this this will lead us down another another trail. But uh, uh, I started a a nonprofit organization in 2021 called six actual Mm -hmm. and this young lady that i'm that i taught this with uh she is a heart transplant recipient a cancer survivor and she has her own nonprofits uh she does uh, public speaking for uh, transplant uh, recipients and things like that so but she also, during the, that time that she was in the hospital, she got her master's degree and her doctorate degree. So she has a doctorate of psychology. And one of the requirements in teaching the material, or actually it's not a requirement, it's a, uh, it's strongly suggested <laughs> to have a member of the, of the psychiatric community or the, the mental health community to co-teach with you. Mm-hmm. And so I've known, I've known this, uh, this lady for several years. She was actually a, a, a youth in one of my youth groups ah, and wow. my wife was one of her teachers. So she's been very connected to our family for years. Um, so I contacted her and presented her with the material and she and I wrote, you know, our, our lesson plan for what we were going to teach out of that. So, so the state supplies kind of a blueprint and then you can pick and choose what you would teach in a, at least well, a four hour to, block. You have to teach what they supply, mm-hmm. but you can add to it. So they tell you that here, here's your minimum content. Okay develop your lesson plan, figure out how you're going to impart this information to, to your class or to those who are, you know, your recipient. And then if you want to add anything to that material, you can add that. And that's how it would stretch to the additional time. What they provide is the four hour material basically. Okay. All right. Wow. And this is required Every agency is required to put all of their sworn through it at least every two years, you think? I believe that's correct. Okay. Hmm. Wow. All right. Well, it, it's a start. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is better than some places are doing, we're finding out. But, uh, you know, I, I really get tickled when we teach in these places at how much law enforcement really doesn't know from every letter Mm -hmm. and angle and sergeant and SWAT and all that other stuff. Um, Is there much in it that covers things like even defining the term confidential, that confidentiality is a legal term? Yeah, no, there's, there's nothing that I've come across about the confidentiality aspect of it. Okay. Because it is very misleading Mm -hmm. when mental health says a hundred percent confidential. Right. 
cops think, okay, they're not telling anything. Right. They don't understand that it's a legal term. Um, and we've been kind of surprised to find that all over the country, everywhere we teach, that that's an aspect that needs to be taught. And it's not about being a criticism. It's about being a fact. This is a fact. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. is what it is. Because when people get in trouble thinking it's one thing and it turns out to be something else and they get in trouble, then it kind of makes it hard for everybody providing any kind of services um, to be trusted, really. Okay. So uh, is that something you ever see being added to a curriculum like that? Well, there, Texas does have a resource mm-hmm. um, that was rolled out, I think, uh, two two years ago. It's the Texas Law Enforcement Peer Network. Okay. And um, it is supposed to be, to my knowledge, confidential. But um, y'all know as well as I do that we are probably some of the most untrusting individuals <laughs> to walk the face of the earth. So, um, how does that yeah. network work? Is it a is it a phone number? Yeah, I believe it's a phone number. Maybe a. Um, I think they have a website as well, but it's 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 run through um, our our state regulatory agency. From from what I can gather i I'll be honest with you i haven't looked into it uh-huh. very much i just have seen the the fact that we have it available uh there's also um cop line are you yeah. familiar mm-hmm. with cop line oh yeah <laughs> okay yes. so um that both of those resources are referenced in that uh wellness training that that we spoke about a minute ago mm-hmm uh, yeah, Copline actually was one that was being looked at, I believe, by the Arizona Municipal Risk Retention Pool uh, when they found us. And um, that that was the big difference, was that ours was 100% anonymous versus confidential. And with the confidential, you can still get reported on um, versus ours, we don't even have your phone number. And right. so that was a big part of it. That we they, they really hammered us. We don't want to know anything about anything and don't keep notes and records or any of that kind of stuff. And we are happy to report that there hasn't been, according to AMRP, there has not been a single excessive use of force claim since they contracted with us, and we're about to renew for the third, third time. Mm-hmm. So okay. that, I, I was incorrect about who is uh, running the uh, Texas Law Enforcement Peer Network. It's run out of UNT Dallas, the Carruth Police Institute. Do you know what that is? Um, the Carruth Police Institute? Uh-huh. I believe they are um, like an organization that um, does mental wellness studies. Oh, interesting. Uh, they have free mental health service for law enforcement officers. So free is always you may, good. You may want to edit all this out of the podcast because I don't. <laughs> no, I think it's. I, I think I sent you an email last night 
telling you I didn't want to say anything dumb. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. We'll beat you to it. Um, no, but that's, I mean, that's putting resources out there if anyone's listening from right. Texas. And, you know, all we encourage people to do is ask questions. Don't mm-hmm. make assumptions. Right. Th- that's right. the key. If you if you call someplace, ask them, do they have your number? Uh, you know, are if they have concerns about you, are they going to send the police to your house? Right. Uh, you know, is it confidential or is it anonymous? Two different two different things, but we cannot provide enough resources. It's not about eliminating any. It's 100% about uh, increasing the type of resources because peer support and the licensed world has proven to not be enough. Yeah. Looking at so this. Apparently the Carruth Police Institute does some trainings um, just on their looking them up on the website, they say that they offer a unique partnership between philanthropy, policing, and academia. And huh. so they they have some trainings that can be uh, taken by, by law enforcement officers. They also do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. So they're a research-based organization from it, what I can gather. Interesting. What did you find, Joelle? Looks like they're located on the first floor of the police department <laughs> that could be a problem yeah <laughs> which police department uh, which dallas? police department uh, i didn't want to bl- i didn't know if i should blast it but Go it ahead. says the dallas police department yeah that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me okay yeah yeah that that could possibly be an issue for some to not want to kind of wander in right. the mental right. health people but okay but okay. it does look like I mean, they what they're what they're branding out there, what they're putting out there is that they're a growing library, uh, management skills, strategies, articles, books. That so more like resources like that okay. versus. I mean, I haven't actually from, walking in and getting diagnosed right, or, or so, having to talk with somebody. Okay, interesting. Maybe that's a place too to that we need to get under the shield information there. If it's uh, you know, if they are kind of a. Here's a clearinghouse for everything that's right. out there for law enforcement. Yeah, if they're putting out other resources. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, from your time on the job, what would you like to see improved in law enforcement as far as training goes? Well, obviously, we need um, a, a better set of resources for our mental wellness. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The, the there's such a dichotomy between officers that have been on the on the streets for years and and the new recruits. You've got officers who have the mentality, "Suck it up, this is how it is." That are and and yeah, that that worked for a long time. Yeah, but you had choir practice that helped you empty <laughs> it out. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know what you're referencing. Yeah. I, I that's that kind of frowned upon. That's kind of frowned upon yeah. these days, but uh, yeah. Um, but back then, we didn't have the video camera in every hand, mm-hmm. and you know, there so much has changed, mm-hmm. and we have to have outlets for the the things that we go through. Sure. Yeah, I had I hadn't even had a chance to tell these two when I was in Washington. I had a call came across our crisis line on my extension, and I handed it to another instructor that was there with me. And it turned out it was a private investigator out of California, 
and wanted to talk to me about another co-host that had been the first co-host here, who's now in federal law enforcement, and wanted to know if I'd be interested in interviewing for an article about the First Amendment auditors. Now, I had I was not familiar with the terminology First Amendment auditors, mm-hmm. but apparently these are the people who stand around provoking cops mm-hmm. and then video everything and chat, right. you know, don't touch me and right. whatever. Baiting you into doing something you yes, shouldn't do. Yes, And so it was kind of interesting because, of course, I called the first host, and I was like, you know any reason some private investigators call and want to talk to you or me about this? He wound up talking to the guy, too, and the guy just said he was writing an article and wanted to know if we would be interested. Well, of course, uh, Ace couldn't do it without DOJ approval, which right. they're not going to give. He's a brand-new agent. But the guy said that he would text me his email address and set a time for us to talk, and that was last Friday, and I haven't heard from him. So uh, it kind of raises all kind of flags up, but I'd never... Have you ever heard that term, First Amendment auditors? No, I haven't. <laughs> I've been off the street for a little bit, so... I just uh, thought maybe I'm even in the academy that. that it had come up that they're being labeled that, because that's... I, I have another name for them, but it's <laughs> not that. Um, you know, jerks fits nicely. Uh, and but, that's calm. Yes, that's a good day. <laughs> um, but that's uh, I thought that was interesting that they even have this. And, and he said he was doing the article because he was tired of seeing the abuse of law enforcement. I'm not sure. Maybe he's the president of these First Amendment right. orders. I don't know. Uh, but there's so many factors that are coming in that I do. I wonder how much of this training that. Uh, what's the governing body there in Texas? It's not T. Cole. T. T. Cole. Okay. Yeah, Texas Commission on Law Enforcement. Uh, do they address any of those type things of how officers are emphasizing to officers the importance of handling all these video cameras out there and people recording everything that they're doing? No, not okay. to, not not that I'm aware of. The trainings that have to do with uh, video camera is from 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 the agency i believe it's pretty uh pretty focused on just the body worn camera so the officers that wear a body cam have to take a class in -hmm. order to know what you know how to operate it and the policy the department policies and those kind of things but um to my knowledge there's not anything unless a training academy or a, a department has written their own training and has submitted that okay did you get any no i, I don't remember any they didn't tell like you that. can't punch them in the face if they're video no i mean so i mean if they tell you they, can't does that mean you can i mean we talked about <laughs> it a little bit in training and it was more of an awareness that hey these people are out here these people are doing this uh-huh. you know they have rights to do this and you have to you know ensure that you don't but up to what point? Because there has to be a right. point that they, they are infringing. They can't interfere with a police investigation. Okay. You know, and you okay. have you, you know, you can tell them that they have to step back a little ways. You know, um, but it, you know, it's all touchy about how far and what you can tell them and what you can't tell. Them. What if you're arresting a juvenile? Do they? Is that a violation because the person's underage? Can they? It, that just popped mm. in my head. That's yeah, why I'm I having to ask. I, 
I don't know. Okay, that's something we I'm probably sure ought to look yeah. at because, again, that to me is would be a violation of that youth right. uh, being videoed that can now go all over the Internet and never come off uh, again. Um, the training that you're doing, are y'all expanding it beyond the four hours? Um, well, we hope to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have I don't have any anything in in uh, in the works just yet. Um, we we've, we've got to kind of go back to the I guess the table, sit down and do some more processing. We have taught the training uh, twice in one day, two four hour sessions in one day, mm-hmm. and we took some notes and made some you know made some. Uh, notes about what what we could add and what we needed what we felt like we needed to add and some directions we could go in mm-hmm. um, one of the things that we do in the academy that i think is probably something that we will do in this training um, in the academy during the uh, during the second day of the fitness wellness and stress management we have a law enforcement panel and we bring in uh, a dispatcher, a couple of law enforcement officers, and we share our stories or our traumas in front of the cadets. Mm-hmm. We talk about how it affected us, how it affected our our families, things like that. Good. Uh, just to get them aware that just because you work 6A to 6P or 6P to 6A or 8 to 5, whatever your shift is, at the end of the day, it doesn't it doesn't just stop. Mm-hmm. It keeps going, mm-hmm. and it goes for a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, we we sit and have an open discussion panel with our cadets, and we allow them to ask questions. There are days where we can tell our stories and not break, you know, break down into tears or our voice doesn't crack or anything like that. And there are days where we tell our stories and by the end of the day, the room's a, a big puddle mess. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the things I've started doing when I have Tom or uh, there's a Phoenix, couple of Phoenix officers that travel with me and teach too. And when they are telling their stories, uh, I stop especially if they become emotional or they say they they talk about being on my couch crying for two and a half hours. Um, And I stop and I ask class, I said, do you think these are badasses up here? And, of course, they all are in acknowledgement, yeah. And I go, do you think less of them now because they've told you that they cried or they were broken? And they're like, no. And I go, do you understand the same applies to you? This this Mm -hmm. is just a representation of you. Because I think that's been one of the biggest hurdles in law enforcement is we've talked about incidents and how to, when to, where to, why to, but we haven't talked enough about what happens after you do. Right. And it's important for people to understand that, so what if you cry? It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. you weak or any of those things. And you can see the impact. And those comments were made up in Washington just the last couple of days about how bringing that to the forefront was very important and that's what it sounds like you're doing yeah well we're trying to yeah how many do you usually have in there talking on that panel uh three or four Mm -hmm. myself included and then um and they're all currently what we're using is all of our our instructors 
my instructors are all former or current law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And um, we all have some great war stories, mm -hmm. but uh, we also have some uh, horrible effects <laughs> after, after the fact. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, that garbage can effect is a real thing, oh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I would encourage you, I think I probably did on the phone, to, you know, share our garbage can theory. Um, if I didn't email it to you, I need you to. Okay. Yeah, and uh, do you have to get approval from the governing body on what you add, or they don't really care what you add as long as you cover their stuff? As long as we cover their material mm -hmm. and the things that we add are applicable as well as we have uh, you know, the lesson plan to show that we're not just putting, putting material right. out there. Sure. As long as, as long as it's taught and we have a, um, approved le lesson plan, then we're, we're fine. Okay. Is there anything that's labeled resiliency? Uh, there is some resiliency information in the, uh, the new finding wellness material. Okay. I think I sent that to you. Yes. Um, but I don't think it's expanded greatly. Okay. Um, I think it's just kind of briefly touched on and, and moved, moved beyond. Yeah. It seems like that was a real big push at one point yeah. years ago, and then we you fell away from it. it. Yeah. yeah. And now we're kind of coming back around full circle again and, and starting to hear it. Um, and it's shocking at how some agencies around this area, anyway, are are not in favor of it. And I go, why is why would you not be? Yeah. They don't want to do the stress inoculations either. One of the stories told about the Phoenix Academy, I had not heard until recently, was one of the for the new recruits. One of the scenarios was they'd come around a corner, and there'd be somebody with a shotgun or gun pointed at them, and the commander over it decided that was too scary. <laughs> we can't teach that anymore. That's too that scary. Because that never happened in real right, life. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. And okay. I'm going, so we don't want to scare these people. You know, I've got a guy, a cop in Alabama. That's exactly what happened. He was chasing a guy. The guy was waiting around the corner. He came around the corner. The guy shot him. And he died. Uh, you know, we might want to scare people mm -hmm. a little bit. And no, we're not allowed to do that here at the part of this academy. How about boxing? Do you allow them to hit each other? Uh, they don't do like a, we don't have gloves or a, a you know a, a mat room or anything like that. Now we do have some gym mats that we put out, and they do have to do uh, some weapon retention, mm -hmm. um, ground ground fighting, but not in the form of like. Brazilian jiu-jitsu or anything like that we're not we, we just don't have the number of hours available in our academy to expand our arrest and control section beyond what the what the material sure. is, you know that, that was the problem our material is yeah that was a problem that I found was uh, we do our annual advanced officer training and whenever we'd start talking about tactics and weapon retention or ground fighting type stuff, you start doing this ground fighting, they'd be trying to teach you these jujitsu moves. But if you weren't into jujitsu, mm -hmm. 
you weren't going to retain that. You right. did it a few times on the mat with somebody, right. and then you go mm -hmm. off and you don't hear about it for another one or two years. It's like, why did we teach that? Mm -hmm. It's not something that comes natural. Right. You never do it again for two years. You're not going to retain it. Yep. And that's why some of the agency, I know Mesa here is really big on it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how often they require them. Um, but that's been a push out here is to, yeah. and jujitsu is a very effective tool for even helping with post-traumatic stress, uh, that kind of stuff. So it, you know, to me, it kind of works in several areas right. that are pretty important. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is this, this article, okay. <laughs> uh, cause I found this a, to be a really interesting article, uh, to be honest, I found it to be almost comical to be truthful about it uh, but it's an article in police one that came out um, I think fairly recently um, well last December a year ago and it's how police leaders that's kind of a interesting <laughs> combination of words of right off the bat yes it's <laughs> all three of you listening that are police leaders uh, I wouldn't recommend this uh, method or pathway to resiliency I, i'm not sure that it's very effective um but in looking at it and i should have sent it to joelle and to tom ahead of time but i didn't but they're talking about four major pathways to becoming a resilient law enforcement officer and i'm assuming you know when you hear the word resilient it means you're not affected by the mm -hmm. things that you see and you have to deal with and the first one is hardiness and I, I just had to kind of laugh because it says it's the ability to endure difficult conditions. <laughs> and I thought, uh-huh, okay, and your point is. But it says that the characteristics for hardiness or for a hardy person, control, commitment, and challenge. And I, how do we teach that? How do, I, that was my whole thing. And it says as leaders, we can monitor and even influence these characteristics in our officers to help LEOs become hardy people. So are they saying we need to test people and we can't hire them if they don't have this? Right. Because I don't think you can teach that. Was that kind of your impression when you read it? I, be, I believe it was. You know, you're, you're right. How, how do you teach those characteristics? Either you have it or you don't. Right. And and that was my whole question. So is that in a, is that in an MMPI somewhere or some psych test or something? Joelle, you're, you're the one in graduate school. I've been out too long. Is that something in any test you know of? I mean, there are a lot of, uh, I guess, research lately on resilience. I don't know where this is coming from, but it's like yeah. a hot topic talking about mm -hmm. like specifically resilience. Mm -hmm. I was reading an article um, just a few weeks ago, but it was talking about how to build resilience in children. Uh -huh. That's what I want to focus on. Um, well, and, we do too. We work with law enforcement, remember? No, so that's I, right. That's right. I could teach kindergarten. <laughs> Actually, I guess this does go hand in hand, but I was talking about how children are bullied. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and you know, and how they deal with that. And so it's not just, it's, it's not necessarily that they're not affected by it, right? But it's more of they have the necessary coping skills to address these situations in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. That's adding to resilience. And there's like different, there's different things that people are doing that have proven to build resilience. And they, there is a test for it. 
But does it include this hardiness? Because no, I don't no, think no, in no, children you, it can't be about control. Yeah, no. Because kids have no control for right. the most part. No, I mean, so they do try to teach. Um, there is uh, a type of therapy where they talk about control, but it's more controlling your own actions, right? right? That, I right. mean, at the end of the day, that is what you can control. But the way that this sounds mm-hmm. is really unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm a little concerned about some of this because it says control refers to both the feeling of control and the actual control we have in certain situations. So, again, to me, that could lead to more, in the wrong person, excessive use of force mm-hmm. claims. Right, because right. the, the, the feeling of control, that that's my red flag on, right. on mm-hmm. in that sentence. Yeah, yeah, of course, controlling your own behavior, but the feeling of control. Right, yeah. And think think about it in the in the reverse. So if if an officer is feeling in control and they're not, uh-huh. yes, it, right, it's not going to lead to a use of force. It's going to lead to an officer involved death. Yes, right. yep. absolutely. And you know, as leaders, we can remind our officers to focus on what we can control and let go of what we cannot. I don't think that's a police officer's job description Mm-mm. because. No. What y- y'all are the most out of control exactly. profession there is in in that, you know, you don't get to say, oh, hey, dispatch, uh, stop this car. And the guy, the moon's just not lined up in the right house and we just not communicating. So send another unit and I'm going to go to lunch. That would be, you know, as a if you become a licensed counselor, you have the right of referral. Uh, that's being in control of your professional world. Mm-hmm. If I don't like this person, I just refer them to somebody else. We don't it under the shield, but licensed therapists do. Uh, police officers can't do no. that. Well, not be a police officer. <laughs> I mean, they can do it once, but that's about it. And so I, I'm thinking, what in the world? And then the second one is the one that really kind of made my eyes do weird things. <laughs> Self-enhancement, an overly positive or unrealistic self-serving bias about ourselves. This is something we want police officers to have. Right. That's another red flag. Because yeah. <laughs> it even says... Just looking at it, it sounds a lot like narcissism. Well, not just that. Just going back to what he said, uh, the flip side of that is, oh, no, I've, I've done enough training, right? I'm, right. I'm a badass. Right. I, yeah. I can do this X, Y, and Z, and then you get, sure. you know. You know, I, I mean, Alan, what were your thoughts when you first read that? Were you like, really, is this a joke? Well, a lot of, com- a lot of confusion, to be honest. Just like, did I really... Did I really just read this entire article <laughs> and, you know, walk away with this, what? <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Because none of this, none of this is anything that, that I personally can buy into. Right. You know, in that part of it, you know, one of the things I can say where it's talking about I did the best I could or there's nothing more I could have done or whatever But as stress coaches, I know one of the things I've used with an officer where he felt responsible for his buddy's death um, because he technically should have been the one in the vehicle that day. But because of a recall on the range, he wasn't and his friend was. And the guy shot and killed his good friend. And, you know, when he was saying he had this guilt about it and I said, "Okay, fine feel guilty, be responsible. And I said, but everything is only 100%. That That's the most anything can be. 
And I said, so how much of the 100% do you want to take off the POS that actually shot and killed him? You want 10%? You want 50%? What, what do you want? And it made him mad. And he goes, I don't want any of it. And I went, okay. <laughs> and he goes, dang you and your Jedi mind tricks. <laughs> and I said, so to me, I was kind of saying some of this same stuff, but I was just bringing it back around to if he wants responsibility, then you got to take some off the guy that actually did right. it. And it doesn't lead to the same outcome as what they're talking about, mm-hmm. because they're saying this is stuff that officers should say to themselves. Right, that I, I did everything I could do. I, right. I've done enough. And in reality, but doesn't that also kill the whole concept of learning from things, situations, not as a criticism necessary, but maybe we need new tools or new things we haven't trained mm-hmm. on. But if we're just saying, ah, did the best we could do, we'll, we'll never improve things. Right. Well, I think that's why I sent the, sent the article to you, uh, Susan, is because, you know, when I read it, there were just so many questions that I had about, you know, is my is my personal feeling and understanding of what's being written here is am i am i right am i wrong and so i sent it to you uh knowing that you you would probably know better than me and so i i wanted to get get you to read it and get your get your take on it i feel like that if if i were wrong in my understanding of it Mm-hmm. You would say something. You'd let me know. No, they're they're spot on. But if if I'm right in my understanding, you would tell me, yeah, that's you're right. That it's it's not it's not um, it's, it's not a healthy healthy article. It, it really isn't, and it concerns me because in Police One, this is my understanding because I don't. A lot of times don't read their stuff because I have conflicts with what's printed. Um, But I find that it's uh, geared really toward management and administrations. And you kind of go, well, now we understand a whole lot of what's happening uh, that ain't good. Because, again, you know, when you can't even critique to feel like you can be better it's like the officer that called me who had been in a shooting years ago and called me several years afterwards and was part of a group that his whole comment to me was it's nice to know i'm not the only one who will never be any better than i am today well this kind of leads <laughs> to the same thing yeah. it's maybe the other end of the spectrum but it still leads to the same thing and the reality is we need to always, you know, sadly, and we talked about this in Washington, sadly, bad things have to happen in law enforcement before we make changes. Mm-hmm. FBI shooting in South Florida changed using revolvers to semi-automatics. The bank robbers in California yeah. uh, that outgunned and outmanned, two of them outmanned the largest SWAT team in <laughs> the country, uh, who had been asking for rifles. And didn't get rifles till after that happened, and it's an absolute miracle nobody died that day. But yeah. the no good people, none of the good ones died. Um, so to me, this would almost uh, feed more of that. Right, because I can't get any. I'm I did not the best get I could do. Better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't uh, need to train uh, anymore. I just yep. did the best I can do. I can never improve. 
Right. I'd, I'd love to have a conversation with these two sergeants because I just don't understand what they're, uh, where they're coming from. And again, I don't know how you teach this. Right. It sounds a little touchy feely too. The other, the the third one is the repressive coping, avoiding unpleasant thoughts, emotions, <laughs> and memories. And if you can explain to me how to do that. Yeah. So I go to a yeah. bad event and now I'm supposed to suppress. Or those why would feelings. you even want to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I, again, uh, and it says, for the past few decades, military and law enforcement has been told to stop bottling up our emotions. However, in the immediate face of a potentially traumatic incident, it's absolutely necessary. I get what they're talking about. Y'all can't get out on a scene where a child dies and start sobbing. Right. I get that. But that's been pretty standard in the community as long as I've been right. around and longer. The problem is, is we teach them that's how they're to always be and— Never right. let it out. What, I, if, what if you? But okay, let's let's take that incident that you just brought up. A okay. child dies, and <laughs> you you can't you can't stand there and just break down. But what if you do? Right. You know, the, your your shift mates have to recognize that, sure. and hopefully they know you well enough to know that perhaps you've been through the loss of a child mm -hmm. or something similar. Mm -hmm. So they need to be able to step in and take over sure. and let you back out. Absolutely. Be go able to you, walk away. Go, go send you over to flag some radiators away from the scene or something. But, you know, just to uh, avoid it, repress it, whatever. Right. That's not going to work, and it's certainly not going to work every time. Well, and the problem, too, is is there's such a division in this country about how to, how to handle, say, an officer-involved shooting. Some departments, they get them off scene immediately, which we promote. Others, they'll keep them out there 12, 14 yeah. hours. And you go, this this is not a good plan, first of all. Um, but I don't even know if they'd know how to handle it if somebody broke down in the middle of it because they're exhausted, they're hungry, they're whatever's going on, plus the event. But again, how do you teach this stuff is my question. Yeah. Do you run a drill and you bring video in of stuff and see if they cry? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the in the previous um, section, they talked about using scenarios and um, role play. But just speaking as a cop, you know, I don't know about about you guys, but role play and scenarios were probably some of the least favorite yeah. things that I ever did. Always. Well, and you can't role play everything. Right. No, you can't. And that's to me. And that was one of the things that we talk about in our training is we we can't role play everything that can happen. But we sure as heck can talk about the stuff that happens afterwards. That is pretty common. Mm -hmm. It, it may look a little different, but overall, I think most cops are smart enough to be able to take that and fit it into their own situations. We have, we have a simulator at the uh, at the academy that we use with our cadets and doing some uh, training for agencies. And those those types of scenarios, cops can get into all day long. Mm -hmm. But I, I have yet to find one of of what we're what we're discussing currently <laughs> right right I agree. and again in all of the 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 points to this article it's okay we want them to be like this but leaders make sure they don't carry it too far 
Well, again, you think these leaders really know what too far is and how to not let it go too far? How do you stop that? How do you measure that? Right. It's not anything measurable. And then the the last and and then to encourage them. All right. Suck it up. And now we need you to go verbally vomit it somewhere. (laughs) But where are you going to go verbally vomit it that's safe? Right. That you feel like isn't. Going to affect your job. Take your yeah. badge and your gun. So basically, the three steps to resiliency is be egotistical, <laughs> narcissistic. Uh, nar- yeah, su- suck it up, and then go away from us and go anywhere but here uh-huh. and go vomit it up. <laughs> yes, yes. Preferably, probably to a licensed person, so that in case there's something there that shouldn't be there, we'll know about it. We get rid of right. it. Sounds like, a, sounds like a frat party or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, no like you're going to throw up, do it. Don't do it here. Go out yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the fourth one, I'll tell you, I agree 100%, but they're missing the point. But it's positive emotion and laughter, releasing stress through humor. We shot that all to hell and back when we went to body camps. It's gone, right. done, over, not going to happen. Yeah, if I'm laughing out on a scene of a fatality, that's mm-hmm. not going to go over good. Mm-hmm. And, and they even say that. They talk about the use of it, but don't do it on scene. Sure. So now that's part of the suck it up, and then you go out here and laugh about it when your pressure cooker is about to explode. They don't want me to cry on scene, but they don't want me to laugh, laugh either. either. Right. You got. <laughs> I got to suck it up until I'm away. From the scene, and it's all done, and then right. I'm supposed to find somebody to talk to. Right. Uh, was that kind of your take on it? Yes. Yeah, 100% <laughs> spot on. And, and I'm, I'm laughing thinking, too, because when it says law enforcement leaders have a responsibility to provide appropriate outlets for positive emotion or laughter before and after exposure to stressful and potentially traumatic incidents. That means people have to know ahead of time it's happening, mm-hmm. and then when it does happen, you, you're going to bring them into headquarters and have a comedian come in, or what you going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, well, that's why they're hiring clowns, remember? Oh, that's <laughs> right. College. That's right. I forgot about clown college. Yeah, we had two officers who went to clown college. Why did they do that? To build relationships with the community. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. And, and they had the full, the shoes, the they. Yeah, yeah, that didn't last, I don't think, very long. But, hey, maybe we need to go back to that. (laughs) Because, But really what's interesting is all of these things are things somewhat that we address in training just from a whole different perspective about it. And this to me is concerning if, if chiefs and sheriffs or upper management take this stuff seriously, I think they're going to have an unrealistic expectation of their people that's going to lead to all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back to, and I think they even mentioned in this article too, about uh, changing the culture, about reaching out mm-hmm. for health, for mental wellness and mental health stuff. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Somebody needs to get off that kick. It ain't right. going to happen. You're not going to change this culture. Right, because the same problem exists when we reach out for help. The fear, unless mental health resources change and are consistent, not just change, but are consistent, because technically it is supposed to be an officer says, I want to kill myself or I'm going to go home and kill myself, that they would report. But what we've seen too many times is they go, oh, he's drinking, 
His family doesn't like him. He's not sleeping. They start to see things in their brain or precursors to suicide. And they've even said to me, I'd rather save his life than his job. Well, what if you're wrong Mm -hmm. on those things? You cost him his job. job. Now you've probably set him up that the life could be the next thing. Right. And just because I say those precursor things doesn't mean that I'm going to go home and do that. Exactly. I may be feeling that way. Sure. But it doesn't mean that I've made that decision to do that. Because y'all told me in here. Suck it up. (laughs) Suck it up and then let it out. And I let it out. And And now now you. My job's in jeopardy. Yes, exactly. And that's where law enforcement just shakes their head and says, we're not going to do it. I don't don't know if women in law enforcement have the same same mindset. I I would assume they do. And, you know, we're we're pretty much all type A personalities. But Mm -hmm. I know men as a as a category and then the subcategory of men in law enforcement we do a lot of self-identification through occupation Mm -hmm. and so you know if if we can't if that occupation is taken away from us because we have said uh, i don't feel right i'm thinking about hurting myself and now we don't have that occupation there goes our identity and right. a lot of guys just lose the yeah. lose the reason to live so right. well and the family has lost the resource and that's you know while we're seeing so many of them and hearing from them that they're planning their line of duty deaths even mm-hmm. though they say their family hates them mm-hmm. there's their whole attitude is i want to make sure my family's taken care of right. and it's like at phoenix Looks good on paper. Somebody might might think this looks good on paper. I don't even think it does that. But at Phoenix, if you're in a critical incident, still hadn't figured out who defines that critical mm-hmm. incident, um, you're off or in a non-enforcement position for 30 days. Okay. I know where that came from because in critical incident peer support, 30 days, however you act, is normal. It's beyond that that now it's a problem. But in those 30 days, you have restricted an officer from working off-duty. So now the family's impacted financially. Right. So you got guys going to work, and the wife's going, don't shoot anybody today. We can't afford it. (laughs) (laughs) And and so now they got that playing in the background back here, too. And so this is is nuts, and this is creating a lot of the issues. And this is not going to be helpful. No. At all. Where was this posted? It's uh, Police One. Yeah, it's Police December One December of last year. It's a, it's a publication. Yeah. Is it strictly online or does that – it used to be sent out. Yeah, I don't know if they sent I'm, it out. I'm not sure. Um, it came across my Facebook feed. So uh-huh. uh, that's, that's where I – So is this like Wikipedia now? Anyone yeah. can just post whatever? <laughs> Maybe. And it's funny you were talking about women because we just had a, a female officer – uh, on the podcast uh, prior to this one. Last week for you. Yeah, last week for everybody else <laughs> listening. And um, we were talking about that because, you know, really for women, they have to, They it's probably a bigger struggle for most because they're already perceived as emotional creatures and weaker mm-hmm. and, and having to overcome. So they probably suppress and repress right. this stuff a whole lot more, uh, some, uh, at least until they get established in their career, right. I think. And yeah, a few weeks ago, you were talking 
to, I think it was the brother of a Chicago officer that had taken her life. Uh-huh. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yes. That was, He's on our board of directors. Right. Yeah. So um, there was, I, I just, when you started talking about women um, and, and that role, I remember from that podcast, she had worked like ungodly hours and 22 you know, days couldn't, straight, 12 hour shifts. Couldn't handle, this, couldn't handle it anymore. So. And she was a single mom. Mm-hmm. And she had actually sought help with a counselor. I don't know if right. we got into yeah. that in there, but uh, and the counselor just started kind of spilling everything to Patsy. And Patsy <laughs> was like, well, <laughs> sounds like you got enough to handle. You don't need my right. stuff. And then she kills herself after that. Yeah. Th- these are all of the things that are, are we're not going to change mental health and how they do this. No. That's why we need additional resources like the stress coaching where we can develop the rapport. I had somebody this morning text me that's a client, and they wanted to know if there was a licensed person they could see, and I know why, and because it's time for some documentation on th- things. So I refer them to our psychologist uh, because we vetted him, we know him, we've referred many, 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 many people to him. He has a heart for law enforcement um, versus just, oh, I don't know, call your insurance company right. and see who's out there. And then we're hearing here, I know of a case recently where a young officer asked for help, called the resources provided, and both resources said they didn't have time to get him in. Like, like not even, we'll see in six weeks. We just can't get you in. That was the end of the conversation. (laughs) Was was he suicidal? Um, He he was in crisis. I'm not sure I'd say suicidal, but the reality is, is that I got the call about it and here we are just a little organization that isn't even being paid by that agency and i think you got him in within a day or two right. and that was because of his schedule right you would have seen yep. him that day or like, the next when day can we meet so right. y'all were the third y'all were the third resource that mm-hmm. he had called mm-hmm. yeah well, he's lucky and the right. only reason yeah well and the only reason is is because his he went to his sergeant yeah. And the sergeant is one of our stress coaches. Of course, he's not going to work with his own people, but he sure. said, here, call this number. Right. And he texted me and told me what had happened. And I said, yeah, I can't see him, but I got somebody else who can. And so, again, it, don't just lecture law enforcement about changing the culture. <laughs> Let, let's talk about what needs to happen with the rest of the resources right. Right. so that the culture doesn't necessarily have to change. Well, and when you make that decision to reach out for help, which is hard, mm-hmm. and then you hear, well, we can't see you for, you know, six weeks or, or we can't get three you months, in, period. or we can't get you. Yeah. That, what do I do now? Right. Exactly. Not you once, give me but no twice. other options. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I just, I, again, we get very frustrated by all of this, but we're just going to keep doing what we do and trying to at least spread the word um, through training, if nothing else, because that's the thing we can give people in a training, probably 80 percent of what they need. And then if they need something more individual right. or go to the licensed world, if you need FMLA, Workman's Comp Industrial or medical retirement. Um, but just to keep passing crap like this article around, <laughs> because what's an officer supposed to do if he looks at this and he goes, gosh, I'm not hardy. I'm not yeah. self-enhanced. I don't have self-enhancement. I don't have that repressed. 
They're going to quit. I can't repress it anymore. Should they quit? Yeah, (laughs) the garbage can's pretty full. I've I've crammed a lot of crap down in there. Should they walk away from the job? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, because it's not teaching you how to do all that stuff. No, it's saying, you know. To get better. Yeah, pat them on the back and whatever. And I just think it's a a big mistake. But, um, you know, one of the things you and I had talked about, too, and, and it's funny, all of a sudden we started getting calls out of Texas uh, we're hoping to get to Texas sometime. Well, I'm hoping to help bring y'all here. Uh, we're we're working on it. Um, I have met with the sheriff here in Ellis County, mm-hmm. where where I live, and we've we've discussed trying to get together with some other agencies and organizations to work on bringing y'all in. Awesome. We're just. We're just in the early stages of trying to plan that. Sure. And, you know, and, and again, it's not about eliminating resources. Right. It's just about bringing maybe a different way of looking at things and thinking about stuff mm-hmm. that might resonate with 10 mm-hmm. people in a room. Yeah. That's what it's about. <clears throat> and so, yeah, we appreciate your efforts on that. And, you know, any way we can help in Texas, uh, again, everybody can call our uh, 855 number and we're going to give that out in just a minute and we just appreciate people like you alan that look outside the box because it's easy to stay in and do what we've always done because what do we hear in law enforcement what's the famous line when you go why do y'all do it that way because that's the way <laughs> we've always, always done, done. It's always been done that way <laughs> until yeah. it doesn't need to be done that way anymore and bad things happen yeah we need more people like you alan in that basic academy setting that are thinking outside the box to to bring this training i think uh looking back over my career and over my life i don't know that a box has always been where i've tried to find myself (laughs) we must be related from another mother or something (laughs) i I don't think i ever had a box Uh, that's for sure but that's what's going to change things is people not just buying the old school and the old way and recognizing officers are human beings Mm -hmm. we've got to offer a lot of different types of resources and things for them and that includes education and training and not just, hey, go see a counselor, uh, therapy, and, and medication are your only answers. Those are not the answers. Yeah. I don't right. want to be on that medicine. No, and a lot of people don't. Sometimes it's necessary, right. but it doesn't need to be the first option. Exactly. There are too many other natural. We lived a long time before <laughs> Pfizer was invented. Not me, but I am almost old enough, but not quite. Um, but Alan, we just want to thank you for taking the time and the interest to even reach out to us initially to find out yeah. what some different ways of seeing things and uh, offering uh, resources and that type stuff. And anyway, again, we can help you guys over in Texas. We're open. We'd love to meet with whoever. I'd, I'd love an opportunity. I just met with the AZ Post here and they're still mulling. They want our stuff. Um, now, whether we can get through the legal loopholes is what we're going to have to find out. But, you know, I'd love an opportunity even to meet with the, the governing body over there and throw a few questions at them, see right. what their response would be. So okay. any any door you can open for us would be uh, appreciated. And just know that when you have questions, you have my number, email, all that stuff. Let's uh, Let's keep the dialogue going. And if we don't help but one person then that's one that can help who knows how many. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Right. So, yeah, as we wrap things up here, we want to thank our audience for for listening in again and supporting Under the Shield. We're getting to the end of another year. And, yeah, an interesting year it's been. 2024 is I'm not even gonna say it. I'm just not even gonna say it because every time you I got say, a wood table in front of you. I'm not even gonna say it. We're just gonna say 2024 is coming, and we'll see and what and it we're brings. And we're looking forward to it. And we'll see brings. what it brings because Lord only knows. Every year I go I'm looking forward to next year. Nope, not gonna say that again. Uh, but we do wish all of you and your families uh, a very happy holiday and safe holiday season out there. Remember, Under the Shield is here 24/7, 365, including holidays. You can call our our toll-free number, 855-889-2348. Boy, that made me sound old. I don't think there have been any toll numbers in a long time, have there? I don't know where that toll-free came from. That just popped in my head. But it ain't going to cost you anything to call us. Um, If you hit extension 1, you will get a stress coach. Please let it ring. It's rolling to the first available stress coach. Uh, if you want to call and leave a voice message, I'm probably not going to get for several days. You can hit my extension too, but I'd rather you text or call me on 334-324-3570 on that 855 number. If you hit extension one, uh, we don't have your number. You get disconnected. You got to call us back again. I might get the voicemail on extension two, but I'd really rather you text or call me. On that three three four number, we post all of these in the in the writing part, don't we? Okay, good. Yep. Um, I tell people if the sun's up, text me. If the sun's down, call me. Um, because during the daytime, it's kind of hard to answer calls. Extension two uh, three on that eight five five number is David Cohen in Alabama. Uh, Tom's extension four. You want to give your cell number too, sir? Yes, or you can reach me on my cell at 480-861-6574. And families, this applies to you. This is for all first responders, military, and families. Sorry, doctors, accountants, garbage (laughs) men, lawyers. We are beginning to look now at prosecutors because they do see a lot of horrible stuff. And also it's been brought to our attention to those that work in records Mm -hmm. at police departments they are exposed to some horrible stuff on body cam, and they have to watch it over and over and over again. Uh, you are very much a part of what we consider the law enforcement family, as well as the crime scene techs. There's a lot of them are civilians in places. Uh, but prosecutors, the same thing. They're having right. to see all those videos and things, especially in the child sex crime and uh, family violence. Uh, so please reach out to us. Again, families... This stuff can bother y'all. You're very much impacted by this lifestyle because you're the partners in crime here. So you also can reach out. It's 100% anonymous. We don't use the word confidentiality because we aren't licensed. Technically, we can't say we're confidential because that's a legal term for licensure. We just say we're anonymous. Be Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, be whoever you want to be. I don't care. If you got a sergeant you don't like, you can give me their name. <laughs> um, we we might write that down, though. Right. <laughs> um, but please, please reach out to us. And uh, if you have any suggestions on things that we you'd like to hear on the show for 2024, uh, our emails are also listed, Joel. Is that correct? So you can email any of us. Uh, And we'll do our best to get whoever it is or the topic covered that you'd like to hear for next year. Uh, Alan, again, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you. And for your time. And we wish all of you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, and whatever else you celebrate (laughs) out there. And certainly uh, come back because our next show will be in the new year. 
That's after right. this one. So uh, we'll talk about what happened over the holidays because I'm sure something's going to happen. Glad this year's <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, and chemo brain maybe will be going away a little bit. We'll see if dementia takes over. <laughs> yeah, as Joel knocks on wood. Um, Again, thank you all for your sacrifices and the things that uh, we know how tough this is as a lifestyle, especially families. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Come back and visit us in 24.